Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Thanks. How's it going, guys? Yeah? Are you excited to be here? Wow. That wasn't that good. Are you excited to be here? Yeah, there we go. That's better. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm very excited to uh, share this word with you guys, uh, not this morning, this evening. And this has been a word that has been, I was talking with Evan uh, before coming up here, and it's just been like, it's just been like ruminating inside probably since September. Um, and to be completely honest, I'm still like right in the middle of, you know, receiving this revelation from the Lord myself. Um, but I've had a, a good amount of time to, to sit on it, to think through it, and to really prepare um, what, what I feel like the Lord wants to speak to you guys tonight. So um, I'm really excited, and it's going to be super good. So the title of my, not message, sermon, <laughs> thanks, um, is The Warmth of His Gaze. And Matt made a cool graphic. Yeah, that is. Good job, Matt. He's the pastor. He's the cook. He's the janitor. And he's the guy that does graphic design. <laughs> and more. Um, and the church planner. Yeah. So uh, the warmth of his gaze. And um, man, I just feel like that worship was so good. And it just got my heart in such a really, really really ready spot to give this word. So I'm really excited. Um, but I want to start off by just letting you guys know that I'm just a normal dude. There's not a lot of things that are like special with me. Yeah, the Lord has gifted me in certain areas, but like I just got done working a shift at my job today and I had meetings and I had stuff. So I'm not like this, you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy that loves Jesus and that has had multiple opportunities to say yes to him. And I'd like to believe I've taken more of them than I haven't, um, but I'm not perfect. And so, you know, I don't come here saying like all these things to be like, yo, you got to do better. No, that's not, that's not where this is coming from at all. Um, in fact, I'm actually going to be speaking and I want you guys to kind of have this perspective as you're, as you're listening, as you're receiving this word is I'm specifically speaking to and speaking about like relationship in contrast to speaking about religion. And so the Lord kind of revealed this to me as I was kind of writing this down and stuff, but that's really the view that I'm going for is relationship. It's intimacy. And so try to throw off those like maybe some of those preconceived religious notions that you might have with some of the stuff that I'm saying and just really, just really let yourself receive like, okay, this is about relationship. Does that make sense? You guys awake? Yeah? All right, cool. You can talk back. If something's good, you can be like, yeah. Or you can say like, nice one. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. Flip the switch. My cousin used to say, pop the clutch. Yeah. And then he said, shame the devil. You could say that one if you want, but. <laughs> All right. So who's got your Bible? Hopefully everybody. Matt's got two. If someone doesn't have a Bible, Matt has one. There's also plenty of Bibles right out there. Blue ESVs. Um, go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter 4. I have a few scriptures. This is the first one. When you're there, say nothing. nothing. My kind of people. <laughs> I love that. All right, First John chapter 4. I'm starting at verse 7 through 19. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I'm at verse 13. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given of us, given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. That's so good. We love because he first loved us. Um, And so God is love, right? That's a very, uh, how do you say, I would say cliche term. Would you guys agree? Right? Yeah, especially in West Michigan. So I was reading through this scripture some odd number of months ago and like popped up popped off the page, like what Evan had said, God is love. And I was like, wow, I've heard that my entire life growing up in West Michigan. And so I started to pray. I was like, Lord, would you redeem the phrase God is love? Like it's lost its touch. And I think we've become disconnected with this. And it's something that we, we've just maybe heard a lot. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, God's love. But have we actually stopped to think about what that really means? right? Have we read this passage of, passage of scripture multiple times to really understand what is love? God is love. What does that actually mean? And so that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about tonight is this idea of God being love and, and what that looks like and how it's demonstrated and how we can access the love that God has for us. Who wants to love God more? Raise your hand. I think all of us in here want to love God more, right? I've been following the Lord for 10 years now, and I, I can say confidently that I am like the most in love and on fire for the Lord that I've ever been in my entire life. And it is not due to any sort of me attempting to love God more. It's simply been me doing three things. And this is kind of what I'm going to, the roadmap for tonight. So the first thing is, um, is knowledge. So my knowledge of God has increased. The second thing is revelation. My, the revelation that I have received of God has also increased and more of God has been revealed to me. And then the last is the experience. So I've actually experienced God's love right here, right now in the present. And so kind of my, I would say my recipe to fully know God, to fully know his love, to know that God is love and to live your life more in love with God that you did the day before is knowledge, revelation, and experience. So I'm going to start off with knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge, the easiest definition is understanding. I looked it up. There's a couple different words, but I like understanding. For me, knowledge, I understand something. And so my question for you is, do you know God? My other question is, do you know of God? Do you actually know God or do you know of God? Has somebody told you about God and then you have created this I would say relationship with God, but you don't actually know him yourself, right? You don't have that personal, that intimate connection with him. My second question is, do you want to know God? I think most of us probably say, yeah, I want to know God, right? And so my follow-up question would be, is the way that you're spending your time setting you up for success to know him? If God is knowable, Think about this. If God, the creator of the universe, this is literally blowing my mind. If God is knowable, shouldn't we do everything we can to pursue knowing him, right? Like God is not just some distant, mysterious, I know nothing about you, but you're good type of God. That's not who our God is. God is actually so close and he has revealed himself to us. For me, I'm like, man, I'll throw everything else aside because if God's knowable, I wanna know him. And I want to know him with everything that's in, in my heart. And so we see this in, in Proverbs. And this is so good, so good. So um, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 2 in your Bible. And I, I have a few scriptures. And I'm, I'm not going like verse by verse and really diving in. They're really good scriptures. So definitely like take some notes and spend some time to go back and to pray and to spend time into them because they're so good. 
I can't go for two hours and just go every, over everything. You guys probably wouldn't like me. So I'll just go for an hour and a half. Um, just kidding. We'll, who see? We'll know how long. Who knows how long this will go? Okay. Enough small talk. Proverbs two. <laughs> Matt's like, stop it. All right, my son. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Guys, did you know that you could find the knowledge of God? But did you also know that it's not just given to you? So the knowledge of God is a pursuit. Does that make sense? We have to actually pursue knowing God. Thankfully, God loves to reveal himself to us. And we have the Bible, right? We have his word. We can rest on the truth that is scripture. And this gives us the knowledge of God in this book right here. So my question is, why don't more of us know God? And I think the answer is probably, there's multiple answers I would, I would argue, but I think one of the main answers is we just don't spend time pursuing the knowledge of God. Every single person, this isn't even in my notes, but I'm just going to say, it, every single person has the same amount of time every single day, right? Like nobody has more, nobody has less. Granted, nobody knows when you're going to die, right? But every single day that you wake up, we all have 24 hours, right? And so it's not about like, it, it's, the only thing that it's about is how are you choosing to spend your time? And if you actually want to know God, right? The Bible says, if you seek it like silver, if you search for it as hidden treasure, to me that, I mean, I, I don't know how hard it is to find silver. I don't, go looking for silver, right? But like to get valuable things, like you have to kind of work towards it. I mean, unless you just stumble across a silver mine, is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> unless you just stumble across it, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, you're not just gonna jump. Oh, there we go. Oh, I found it. Hey guys, look, here it is. Lucky me. No, it's not what it looks like. You, like you have to actually pursue this. Like it's a hidden treasure. So I think like we almost have this treasure map where it's like, all right, X marks the spot. We got to go through all these things. And I have, you know, all these things that are vying for my time that are preventing me from getting to the knowledge of God. And so it's like, when, when does enough become enough? And we stop living an apathetic life of filling ourselves with social media, with Netflix, with just thinking about things that aren't of the Lord, right? And then we, we you know, we get to these nights or we get to church and we're just like, man, you know what? I love God, but I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not in this. And it's like, well, how have you spent your time? Like, what have you been actually doing with the hours that you've been given? Have you been, have you been spending it with the Lord? Are you getting up early? Are you spending time in early morning prayer with the Father? Knowledge is understanding. So I have another question. What is, you can ask this yourself, what is my understanding as God the Father? And another question to follow that up with, in what ways has my earthly father altered my view as God the Father? In what ways has my earthly father altered my view as God the Father? All of us have had an earthly father, whether you've met him and he's here tonight like my father, or you've never actually met him before in your entire life. We all have an earthly father. And I think a symptom, and this has happened to me, and I'm still learning to, to know God the Father as my Father, and not, and not the, the, the Father that my earthly Father is. And I love my dad. I honor my dad. He is amazing. He's an amazing Father, but he's different than God the Father. All of our fathers are different than Father God, right? And so, this pursuit of the knowledge of God, of knowing God as our Father, it really has to look like looks like a lot of things, but one of the things I think it really looks like is we, we need to recognize, okay, how is God the Father different from my earthly father? What ways is God the Father actually different 
from my earthly father. You can walk through maybe some forgiveness or maybe some bitterness that you might be holding on to your earthly father because the Bible says a lot about our godly father. And I found out that, wow, I actually view God the father more through the lens of my earthly father as I do my heavenly father. And so I was in this place of this tension that I wasn't meant to live in because I didn't actually know God the Father. Are you guys tracking with me? So it's really important to understand how God the Father operates, what he thinks about, what he thinks about me. What's, what are his passions? What's his desire? What are his character traits? What are the things that are in his heart that maybe aren't even close to my father's heart, but it's still about him? Like I'm about my father's business, right? So one thing that I, this was like, this is so crazy. So God was a father before he was a creator. So it's literally like in, in, in him, before he created anything. In John 17, Jesus tells us that God loved Jesus before the foundation of the world. So that tells us that Jesus existed before the world was even created. And also that God was his father. And so like, it's really, 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 really important for us to align our pursuit with first off, I need to pursue God, the knowledge of God the Father. Does that make sense? That's kind of my point I'm trying to communicate to you guys. And so this is really, really important for us. And, and if we don't pursue God the Father, we don't pursue the Father's heart, we just look at God as our creator or Jesus, our savior, then we're really missing a huge, huge part of who God actually is. Because like you have to start with him as our father. That's why Jesus, when he does the Lord's prayer, says our father who art in heaven. Like he is intentional about choosing to start with our Father because it's really important to know who are we actually talking to when we pray. So can I tell you the two things that you were created to exist for? Are you guys interested? Does that kind of pique your ear? No? Some of you, it looks like it does more than others. All right, so you were created for two things. The first thing is to be loved by God. The second thing is to love God back. Those are the two things that you were created for. Now, everybody has a calling. Everybody has a purpose. We all have specific giftings that God wants us to walk into. But those are the two things. Everything can be summed up in those two, in those two statements. To be loved by God and then to love God back. I have in here, that is the pinnacle of existence. There is nothing better than being loved by God. And there's nothing better than being able to love God back. And if you don't agree with me, I pray that... God would awaken your heart to that truth because our hearts need to be compelled and propelled into deep love for the Father, deep love for God, but it's on the backside of understanding his love for us. The Bible in John 4, 1 John 4, it says that he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Probably like nine and a half years of me following God was me trying to love him. And I got hit with this in this scripture and I was like, oh my goodness, I've been trying to love God, but I didn't actually let him love me first. I didn't, I didn't receive the love of the father first. You guys track with me? Is this making sense? And so God's heart, he desires companionship. When we look at the story in Genesis chapter one and we look in creation, what we see is God, we, see, we also see the spirit and Jesus, they're all there. Um, and we see God's deep, deep need for companionship, for friendship, to have, to have some, somebody to spend time with. So he creates the whole world. He creates everything in it, right? The stars, this separates the sea, you know, creates light, creates dark, creates all the animals, the birds of the air, the fish, and then he creates mankind. He creates humans, and and the crazy thing about this is like God actually made humans in his image, in his likeness. And I think the reason why he did that is because he wants a comparable partner to himself. God cannot be in relationship with animals like a dog the same way that he can be in relationship with a human who was made in his image. Think about that. God actually made us in, our, in his image so that we can be like him. So that when he talks with us or we talk back, it's like he's talking to himself in a, in a certain sort, right? You guys track with me? So there's these, there's these little nuggets that are in creation that tell us, holy cow, like it stops you in your track. God is so intentional about how he created me. 
He created me for relationship with him. That's the whole reason of our existence. My question is, why would God, who is an all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, I mean, God can literally do anything, right? Like, he doesn't need anything. God is God. But, but why? Why would, he, why would he make us? Why would he create humankind, right? It's because in his heart, he has this desire for companionship, this desire for intimacy. Like, this is who our God is. And we need to understand who our God is when we sing about him, when we pray about him. Because, man, a shallow revelation of the Father's heart is a shallow walk with God. It really is. We need to go deep into the Father's heart and understand who he is, what he's about. And when we look, even when we look at the Trinity, we, we get a picture, we get a glance into God's need for companionship. It's God three in one. He's, I mean, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's not just one God. Like there's literally three of them. So right then and there, we get to see, wow, okay, God's about being with people that are like him. God's about having somebody else there, right? And so, man, my question is, what if we really knew the love that God has? What if we really knew the love of the Father? To be loved by God, to love God back. And did you know that God wants you to love him? Did you know that? That's actually true. Like God doesn't just, he's not just happy or content with you just like, you know, kind of knowing about him or just walking life, you know, just as, as it is. God actually wants you to love him back. It's a desire. John 17, verse 26, Jesus, he prays that the Father's love for Jesus would be in us. Think about that. Jesus is actually praying, he's probably still praying right now, that the love, <laughs> that the love that the Father has for Jesus would be the same love that we have for Jesus. Does that make sense? Do you guys believe that that can actually happen? Do you have the faith to receive that? I do, but it doesn't make any sense. How can I love somebody I've never met before? This is the type of love that I think God the Father is about. This is the type of love that I'm, I'm running after. I'm pursuing this. Because, man, if God is worth knowing, or if God is knowable, then, like, he's worth knowing. And I want to pursue it with everything that I have. Just like Proverbs says, how to pursue it. Man, you just have to, you have to go after it. So I want to talk about our sin real quick and, um, and talk about the, really, like, I don't want to belabor this. I just want to spend a little bit of time on it. But like really how evil our sin is because we've established that God is our father. God desires rich, deep companionship and intimacy with us. It's in his heart. It's the whole reason for our existence. It's why, we're, why, we're, why we were created. Um, and so understanding that and then looking at sin and looking at the fall gives us a really, really good idea for how much God actually hates sin. Is this is tracking with you guys? So... We look at creation, we see man and God, everything else in perfect harmony, in perfect existence. It's beautiful. God creates a garden for us because he wants to be so close that he wants to like walk with us through the garden. Like this is amazing. And you know, mankind is tempted. There's the fall. And, and I, I can only imagine like just truly how heartbreaking this is for God. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm in the middle of trying to like, and when I say I'm in the middle of, not like right now, but like in my walk with the Lord, trying to put myself in God's shoes. Be like, okay, so I, let's just say hypothetically, like I was God, I had created mankind, who's my, my bud. Like we're hanging out, we're best buds. I love this dude, I love this lady. Like I just want, I just can't wait to spend time with them. And then I give them one command and they break my command. They don't listen to me. And now I can't be in close connection with them because this, this thing has come between us, right? This thing has separated us because that's what our sin does. It actually like separates us from God. We are unable to be close to God again. We are unable to be near. We are unable to be in relationship to him because God is holy, right? He's pure, he's righteous. And so any sort of disobedience, any sort of sin, it opens the door and it, and it is death for us. And we see this in Ephesians 2, 
which is the next chunk of scripture I got. Um, Ephesians 2, starting at verse 1. I think it's going to be up on the Sky Bible. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses. Sorry, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Just right there. That tells us all we need to know. We were dead. That's what sin does. That's what our disobedience does. It causes death. Dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's a really good synopsis of sin and the effect that it has on us. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. So I have a follow-up question. I have a lot of questions. I didn't realize that until now. Why did God gift us salvation? What was the point? I think on the surface it's like, well, that's kind of an easy, an easy answer. And maybe it is, but the reason why God had gifted us salvation is because he wants to be in an intimate relationship with you, right? It's probably the most simple way that I could phrase it. So that is the whole reason why God has gifted us salvation is because he desires intimacy with you. He desires a relationship with you, right? And so when we look at the cross, when we look at Jesus, when we look at all of these things that God had did for us, even when we look at creation, we see his desire to be intimate with us. When we look at our sin, we see how heartbreaking that is for the father because he can't be in relationship with us. There's something that's separating us from God. And then we get to look at Jesus and we get to see, oh my gosh, I think I kind of understand what God is doing here. Because his desire is intimacy, sin can, is not allowing us to do that. And so God gifts us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And that brings me to talking about revelation, which is receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel, which is the whole reason why we're all here. And so I want to talk about it for a little bit because Revelation is something that we, that we can't learn or know on our own. It's specifically revealed to us, that's the term revelation, revealed to us by God. And so while knowledge and revelation, I do think they can be kind of um, uh, synonymous, you know what I mean? Like it's like kind of the same thing. I do think there's a pursuit that comes to our knowledge the knowledge of God, right? There's a pursuit. We have to run after it. We have to really look for it. And then there's a revelation that we have to receive. And we have to actually let God reveal to us who he is through Jesus. First John 4, 9, it said, in this, the love of God was made manifest. Another way to say it, it was revealed to us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And so we get a very clear picture of how God displays his love for humanity. And it's through sending his son, Jesus. And this is so good. Like the good news, it's a reason it's called the good news. It's because it is the good news. Like it's not good news, it's the good news. There's no better news than the gospel, right? There's no better news than you being dead in your sin, but God, but God wanting relationship with you, killing his own son so that he can close that gap between you and God and be an actual right standing with him and in relationship with him. The gospel is the ultimate revelation of God's love. And I think, and myself included, I had received a broken gospel. And I learned this when I went on a, uh, on a mission trip a few years ago. The broken gospel was this. Sorry. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
And I love John 3.16. And I'm not saying that that's not true because it's like the most true verse. It's so good. But I believe that Satan has twisted this scripture to give us a very, very shallow understanding of who God is and what the gospel is. So when we read, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish. We probably all know this, right? Like we have it memorized. Yeah, it's like the most popular verse. And it's so good. But I think, and the devil is so shysty, and he can use scripture against us. And I think he's done it for a whole generation and for a whole region here in West Michigan. And the, the issue with this is that for God so loved the world so that I could go to heaven. And that is like, cool, thanks Jesus. Like, I appreciate what you did. Now I, you know, can do whatever I want on earth, but I know that once I kick the bucket, like I'm gonna be with you and it's all gonna be good. Chilling with Jesus up in heaven. And I mean, there's like some truth to it, right? But it's definitely swayed from what the real gospel message is. And so I'm calling you guys to a higher perspective. Let's look at this from God's view. For God so loved you, for God so loved me, for God so loved Matt, for God so loved Grant, for God so loved all of you guys. I think when we just, when we just say God so loved the world, it's like, it's not very personal. It's like, okay, God so loved, you know, however many, eight billion people. I don't know how many people. That's a lot, man. Does he really actually love me? Like, does he have the capacity to love every single person, right? But once we say, man, God so loves Grant, that he sent his one and only son for me, for me, for all of you. John 14, Jesus says that there are many rooms in his father's mansion. And so that, that clues us in that God's heart is so big. And I never wanna put God in a box to where I am now subjugating myself to receiving a lesser gospel because of the box that I put God in that says that, no, he actually can't love me like I think he can, or like the Bible says, because there's just a lot of us. And like, we only have so much love to go around. Maybe we're looking at God the Father through our earthly father's lens, and we're saying he can't love all of his children because he didn't love me, but he sure loved my brother or sister. And it's like, yo, knock it off. That's not who our God the Father is. Like we have, to, we have to raise our perspective and really look at who is God the Father? What's his capacity for love? How much does he actually love me, right? We have to have a higher perspective. We have to get out of what we've known and God so loved the world that he saved, that he sent his only son. And yeah, that's true. But man, God loved me and I'm a part of the world. And he sent me, or sorry, and he sent Jesus to die for me specifically. And Jesus wasn't forced onto the cross. He went willingly. He wasn't coerced into going. He didn't have like a gun to his head and be like, yo, you got to do this. Like, that's not how this went down. Jesus knew what was happening. Jesus knew what was going to happen before God even spoke anything into existence in creation. Like, <laughs> this is so crazy. This gets me hyped up. If this doesn't just do something inside of you, then we're going to have to talk more because it does something for me. Jesus went willingly. And this is something that, I, that has just like, oh my gosh, this has destroyed me. Hear this. God would rather die than be apart from you. He would literally rather die than be apart from you. Does that not speak to the love that he has for you? Does that not speak to the desire for intimacy? Because the only way that we can be back in relationship with God as he intended is the sacrifice for our sins. And it was Jesus, the perfect, blameless, spotless lamb. What love, right? What love. I pray that this would grip your heart and that this revelation of what Jesus did and the love that he has for us would compel you to pursue the knowledge of God. It would compel you to receive the love of God, to receive the Father's heart, to receive the revelation of who Jesus is, to receive the gospel. Because when we look at what John says in John 1:12, it says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. My grandpa actually got saved on this verse and he was a pastor for like 30 years. 
Um, and it's so, it's so good. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not the option to become children of God. The right. Did you know that if you receive the gospel, if you believe in the name of Jesus, it is your right to be a child of God. There is nothing that can take that right away from you. Not a single thing. Nothing. Even if you don't walk out your identity as a son or a daughter, it's still your right. We have unlimited access. There is nothing that is separating us from crossing that line and stepping into our sonship or daughtership identity. It's our right. It's your right. As a child of God, we have access to him and we have access to everything that we have, or excuse me, everything that he has. So who are you? Are you a son of God, the father? Are you a daughter of God, the father? And if, and if you're like, mm, yeah, but am I? Then I would really, really, really encourage you Spend some time pursuing God's heart as a father. Because like I said, you were created for two things. The first is to be loved by God. And the second is to love him back. We can't love God back until we have a proper understanding of his love for us. It's out of order. Matt says it all the time. Glory follows order. We have to know the rich, deep, complex, but also simple love that God has for us before we can ever try to love him back. If we're, if we're not living in that order, then we're just trying to love God and striving and it's not actually working and we're, we're not addressing the things that we need to to take us to that place of real intimacy, of real connection with Jesus, which is what we all want, right? We all wanna be connected to Jesus. We all wanna pray more. We all wanna want to read our Bible more, right? I'm speaking to myself when I'm saying these, but this can actually happen once you get things in the right order. And I'm just like, I'm just believing that we can all, we can all step into the full identity that God has called us to be as a son, as a daughter. And so we have access to everything that he has for us. And one thing I wanna focus in on is our access to his spirit, access to the Holy Spirit, also known as the spirit of truth. Um, and receiving the Holy Spirit, we're not just like, like you're not forced to have the Holy Spirit. Like Paul in Acts 19, he comes up to some Christian, I think Christian Jews, and he goes, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they responded, and this, this wrecked me like last week. They responded, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And I was like, I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, could you imagine? And then I thought, man, how many people in our region would have that same response. I didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. Maybe, the, maybe their response would be like, I knew that there was a Holy Spirit, but I didn't actually know who he is. I knew of him, but I didn't know him. And so this is our inheritance. We have free access to the Holy Spirit. As soon as we have received the revelation of Jesus, we have confessed and professed his name, right? Then now we are able to be son and a daughter. It's our right. You guys tracking with me? Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so we're actually a child of God before we are a spirit-filled believer, right? Here's another thing. Glory falls order. We need to have a right understanding of our identity as a child, as a son, as a daughter of God, before we can step into the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? The fullness of knowing our helper. Man, <laughs> we're a child before we receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm convinced that we can only experience God's, the fullness of God's love once we have a right understanding of our identity. I think it's so big. And for so long in my life, I thought I had an idea of, I thought I had an idea of my identity. I thought I knew that, yep, I'm a son. I'm a son of God. But then I started, I started listening to a podcast called The Gripped Podcast uh, of men that know their identity as a son. And I was like, okay, 
uh, my life looks a little bit different <laughs> than the way these guys are really going after the Lord. And I was, I was met with this reality that, okay, maybe I've actually been ignoring this for like eight years of my walk with the Lord. Maybe I've been getting by, limping, as I would say, I wouldn't say that. I don't know why I said that. Getting by on a shallow revelation of what it means to actually be a son, what it means to actually be a daughter. And, it's, and it caused me to live kind of like a lukewarm life. Like I had two moments in my life, really up until coming, coming to takeover about a year or two ago, where I was burning the most. Like I was like, Lord, I'll literally do anything. And it was right when I turned 16, right after I got saved, I was like, I'll literally do anything for you, God. Like, I have been convicted of sin, and I, I received forgiveness, and I repented, and this is like the most amazing thing ever. So I deleted, like, all of my Eminem off my iPod, all my Wiz Khalifa, all the, all the bad music. I literally did this, right? Me and my cousins together, we went hard. We got all the Lecrae merch, everything. We live as kings. I don't even think that's a thing anymore, but got all the 116 shirts. I was like, yeah, I'm unashamed. Started preaching the gospel to people in my high school. And I was like, man, Jesus is the best. Like, you got to love him so much because I do. And he saved me and all this stuff. And then I, I got mixed back in with some previous friends before I had known the Lord. And they were not a good influence on me. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of an impressionable guy. And so impressionable. Impressionable? My bad. And um, so I started sliding back, man. And I was like getting back into smoking weed and, you know, partying and things like that. And, um, and then it took me to the end of myself where I ended up actually lying to my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, for four months straight. So we had agreed, we had agreed that I wasn't, first, I wasn't going to smoke marijuana. Second, if I did, I would tell her, right? And so those are the two things I committed, I promised to her. And I, I did not do both of those things. I was getting high and then I was not telling her. And we were driving on the way to youth group on a Sunday night and the conviction of the Lord hit my heart so bad. And I was like, I have to be honest with her right now. And so I told her the worst timing because we're on our way to leading worship at, at our youth group. And, and it was rough and we didn't talk for a whole week. We actually almost broke up because of that. I was, I was led to the end of myself. I was literally led to the end of myself and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so broken. So I reach out for God and I start going to counseling and I end up going on a mission trip and, you know, seek and save the lost in the Himalayas and Nepal. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Jesus this is so good. I come back. I'm on fire. I'm like, man, all for the one. I'll do anything. God, I'll go anywhere. Send me anywhere. And I get back and I'm like, I'm going to propose to Sydney. Like he's redeemed us. And then I lost my job and I was like, oh man, never gotten fired before, but that happened. So I'm all discouraged. And then you know, I just kind of get in this rut again. And, um, and then I, I still haven't dealt with some of the sin issues that, that I had held up. And, and it actually led me to get into a really, um, a really, a really dangerous place with, um, with somebody, somebody close to me who's not my spouse. And I actually ended up having some sort of emotional attachment to this person. And it, and it led me to face with a reality of like, oh my gosh, like, I'm a Christian. I love God. I love my wife. I've been wanting to be married for so long, but now my heart is pulled in this other direction. And by the grace of God, like nothing had happened. And I was able to share with Sydney and, you know, we seek counseling and got prayer and, and our marriage is the best that it's ever been 100%. But the Lord led me to a place of where I was like, Whew, the line was so close and I'm just so glad looking back on it. But I, it's because I had this, this identity that was still broken. I was following God. I was doing everything that I thought God wanted me to do, but I hadn't stepped into my full identity as a son, as a son of God. God loves me so much, right? And I knew that, but I didn't actually know it. Are you guys picking up what I'm trying to say right here? And so there's a symptom that happens as we have a shallow revelation of God's love for us is we live, a we live a lukewarm life. We live a shallow life as a believer. And that is so far below what God has called us to. God wants us to walk in the fullness of his love. Ephesians 3, that you would know the fullness of God's love, the fullness of God. 
there's levels to it, guys. Like, there really are. We have to get deep with this if we want to go deep with the Lord. If we want to go long, if we want to go the rest of our life as a man or a woman burning on fire for the Lord. We were not created to only just read about God's love. Like, we were actually created to live it, to experience it. He destines you to experience his love. It's the whole reason for our existence is to be loved by God and then to love him back. And it's not this looks like, oh, God loves me. Cool. Like, no, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like childlike faith, right? God loves me so much that he actually sent his beloved son, who he loves more than me, to die for me so that he could be in a relationship with me. It's like, man, we got to get a higher perspective, guys. We got to go after this because there's an invitation from the Father. There's an invitation. And that's why we have such a, a privilege of the Holy Spirit because he keeps us connected to the Father. He's groaning. He's crying out. In Galatians 6, it says that God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Holy Spirit's the one inside calling out to Abba. He's calling out to the Father. He's actually drawing us closer to him. And so we just have to stop fighting against the Holy Spirit and recognize the work that he's doing and follow in the track that he's laid out for us. We have to follow his lead as he's crying, Abba, Father. We got to cry, Abba, Father. Even if I don't fully understand what that means, I still got to do it. I still got to do it because if God's knowable, he's worth knowing. He's worth knowing. He's worth pursuing after everything, every single thing that I have. Every single thing that I have. And this cascades feelings. Like this isn't just about like, like this isn't about hype. Like I was so tired after work today, coming to have him preach this message. And I had to get myself into a place of, man, God really loves me. He really wants me to give this message. But like, honestly, like a lot of times I'd rather be doing other things, but it's not about what I feel. It's about being obedient to what God has called me. And God has called each and every single one of us to pursue the knowledge of God. So it's something that we have to do. We have to. And when we do this successfully, when we find the knowledge of God, when we receive the revelation of who Jesus is, then we get to actually experience his love. We experience the relationship with God, connection with Jesus. To experience, you could say it's to encounter or to feel, right? And so the relationship, the intimacy that we have access to, it's real. It's not just an ethereal thing that's just like out in the cosmos and it's this really good idea, but it's not actually a real thing. No, that's not true. I want you guys to know that experiencing God's love in a real tangible way through an active relationship with him. That's a real thing. Because like I said, Jesus didn't die for you to just read or hear the gospel and then go to heaven. Like that's not the point. I'm longing for heaven. My heart longs to be actually with Jesus face to face one day, but that's not the point of my existence. God wants me to experience his love right here, right now. In worship, in prayer, in fasting, reading the word, praying with fellow believers, right? This is what it looks like. God had made a way for us to be closer to him than we could ever imagine. He is actually so close to us. So close. And he had sent his son to close the gap, to close the gap so that we could actually experience his love, so we could walk in the fullness of knowing who God is and what a life with God looks like. Worship team, you guys can come on up. This leads me to my last scripture, which is Romans chapter five, verse five. And it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's an actual act that happens here. And it's, it's not a literal pouring, but I do think that there is something that really does happen when we actually receive the love of God. And, and, and I think this scripture gives us a little glimpse into what happens and it's, and it's in our hearts when we receive his love. The Bible says that 
God pours his love through his Holy Spirit into our hearts. So that's why our relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. So important. So, so, so important. Because without him, we can't, we can't cry, Abba, Father. He's our connection. He's that, he's that line up there. And then we can't really experience God's love because in Romans, it says that God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. There's no other way that God's love can be poured into your heart. The only way is through the Holy Spirit. So we have to pursue our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to know who he is. And yes, he's a person. We have to know the third person of the Trinity intimately, deeply. We need to pray in the Spirit, even if we don't understand what it is we're saying. Like we gotta, we, we gotta do that so much more. I gotta do that so much more. Oh my goodness. So my final questions are this. Have you encountered the love of God? I feel like most of us could probably say yes. At one point or another in our lives, we have encountered the love of God. Have you felt his love? Like actually felt it? Have you been moved to tears? Has something happened inside of you that you're like, wow, I, f- I actually feel different now than I did a couple minutes before because I had encountered the love of God? And I wanna break this religious spirit off of you guys because off of this whole region, I'm, I'm set on it, but we're not just meant to have one or two or three encounters with God's love. There is a daily invitation to encounter God's love, to encounter the love that the Father has for us. And it's an invitation. We can reject it or accept it. It all comes back to how I started. How are you spending your time Are you actually diving into the things that the Lord has offered to you? A deep and rich life of intimacy, of communion, right? Are you spending your time pursuing God's knowledge, having an actual encounter with God? And the most beautiful thing about our relationship with God is it's not a static relationship. It's dynamic, which means it changes. It looks different. An encounter with God can be waking up and having an hour spent in prayer and just seeking God's face and receiving his love. Or it can look like a quick moment between seeing patients at work and being like, God, I recognize your presence and I need you. And it, it, there's not a recipe it's, and it's not a right or a wrong, but it's about our heart. Do we want to encounter God daily? More than once every single day, right? Do you guys think you can encounter God more than once daily? Like, I think it's a lot for us to think like, I can encounter God daily. Let's take it up a notch. We can encounter him more than once every single day. Like there's nothing that's separating us from God now. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so this is a reality. I'll be honest, I have not fully reached this, but I am believing that I can have daily encounters, multiple encounters daily with God's love. And this is a real reality. And it looks like me spending my time differently. I think that's the biggest thing that it comes down to, guys. It's because it's a pursuit. The knowledge of God is a pursuit. And we all have the same amount of time. We all have the same amount of time. And when we have these daily encounters with God, that's when we start to burn. That's when we start to burn. In John chapter eight, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And I had this revelation at our, uh, our leadership retreat like a month ago. And all of a sudden I was like, Jesus, I was reading Jesus saying that he is the light of the world. And I put myself in his shoes or in the disciples shoes 2000 years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, they did not have electricity 2000 years ago. There were no such thing as light bulbs, right? And so the disciples' only reference for Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, was two things. is either fire or the sun. There was no other reference that they had for Jesus making the statement. And so once I put myself in the disciples' shoes, once I thought about what is a world without electricity, I actually have no idea what that's like, but I can imagine what that looks like. I can imagine what it, what it looks like to have, to have a man who I know is God 
say, I am the light of the world. And my only frame of reference for that is fire or the sun, which are what? They're hot. They're hot. And so I wanna end on this. And God has such a beautiful story that he writes throughout creation in the fall and the gospel and the fulfilling of everything that the scripture says through Jesus. And then ultimately into what is gonna be the second coming, which I didn't even get into that, but guys, God invites us into, par into participating with him in that as well. He loves us so much. But what happens is as we begin to know God more, as we begin to grow in our understanding, as we receive the revelation of who God is, we start to get closer to him. No longer do we know of God, but we actually know God. And so I believe that in the spiritual, there's an actual distance that begins to start to get less and less and less. And as we get closer to God, we start to burn more. We burn hotter, we burn brighter because God had created every single one of us to burn. Every single one of our hearts were created to burn because God's heart is burning. God is an all-consuming fire and we were made in his image. And so if God's burning, I'm burning. If God's burning, I'm burning and I'm gonna do everything, everything that I can to pursue it. And it's not in the striving way. It's not in this religious, I have to burn because God, you want me to. It's no, I get to. God has such a deep love for me. And it's because I know of this love, now I can turn, I can love him back. I can love him back and I can say, Lord, you're mine. You're mine. Everything that you have, all that you are, I'm gonna run after it. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna look undignified. Shoot, I might look dumb, but I don't care because I wanna burn because I was created to burn. I was destined to burn. You were destined to burn. So as we go back into worship, I just encourage you guys to reach out for the love that God has for you. <laughs> there is no greater love than the love that God has for you specifically. Man, when's the last time you prayed over yourself? God, you love me. God, you love me. Jesus, you love me. Jesus, you love me. And then you respond, and I love you. I love you. This is what this can look like, guys. It doesn't have to be so complex and all these big words. It's just simple. It's, you love me, I love you. You love me, I love you. So Father God, we thank you for the love that you have for us. What a love. What a love that you have for us, God. Holy Spirit, would you just begin to reveal the love that God has for us? Father God, for those that haven't received the full revelation of being a son, of being a daughter, Lord, of those that have thought God loves those people, but maybe not me. Lord, would you begin to just throw down all of those lofty arguments that come and present themselves against you. Lord, would your word cut through bone and marrow. Would you begin to reveal to us the greatest love story that's ever been written, that's ever happened? through your gospel, God. Through your gospel. And Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, that you would rather die than be apart from us. Lord, let this reality grip our hearts, God. Lord, let this be the difference in our walk with you. Lord, let this be the thing that once we get our identity right, once we fully understand the depth of the love you have for us, Lord, Lord, that sin issue just falls off. That insecurity just falls off. That depression, that anxiety, all of those negative thoughts, Lord, they just, they just fall. They fall off, Lord.
So Father God, search our hearts. Break open those doors that we've closed off to you, God. Those areas in our hearts inside, God, where we have closed up, we boarded up the door, Lord, because we don't want you in. Lord, we reject it. Take the screws off, take the boards off. Break in, Lord. Jesus, you're knocking at our door. You're knocking at our door, Lord. The knocking at the door of our hearts. Oh, Lord, give us the, give us the courage and the vulnerability to let you in, God. That's what it takes. It takes courage. It takes vulnerability, God. It takes humility. So, Lord, we want it. We want to fully know your love. We want to know everything you died for, God. So Jesus, as we enter into worship, would your, would your manifest presence just fall in this place? Even more so, God, we're asking for a greater outpouring, Lord. We're asking for hearts to be awakened to the reality of the love that you have for us, God. We're asking for a fresh encounter, Lord, that wakes our hearts up, that makes our hearts come alive to you. Oh, Lord, look upon us with your eyes of fire, Jesus. Let us feel the warmth from your gaze, God, in our hearts, Lord. Lord, we say, have your way. Have your way in us, God. It's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. <laughs>